Warm up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Yes, Monday on the Horn. In addition to uh, the rough weather, the uh, heavy rains and downpours and light outages and whatnot, uh, you can expect quite a mob scene at the airport this morning. Austin Bergstrom anticipating a passenger out departure record today coming off the Formula One race and Formula One weekend. Um, Airport officials expect 32,000 departing passengers Sunday, 45,000 today. Getting out of town after the uh, U.S. Grand Prix and the festivities at Circuit of the Americas and obviously all the events downtown. Gosh, we had two Chris Stapleton concerts at Moody Center. Planned accordingly. Um, And the weather. I think Ty was out seeing some live music uh, over the weekend. Uh, good stuff. I was down in Galveston, Ron. Galveston. Oh, yeah. How did that birthday celebration It was great. It was great. My, nice. my, my only sister turned 40. Uh, she turned 40 actually today. Uh, happy birthday happy to birthday. Uh, Katie, Catherine Eileen. She's uh, 40 that. years old today. And uh, so we all gathered down and, and didn't even go to the beach, Rod. We just hung out at the beach house. Her name is Catherine Eileen? Yeah, that's my. That's, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, because my, uh, my mother-in-law, her name is Eileen. Yep. And her daughter's Catherine, I believe. Uh, named after her grandmother and uh, her aunt, I like that. Catherine Classic. Eileen. Yeah, Catholic, Catholic Irish, Irish Catholic name uh, for that, sure. If there ever was fit. one, that fits. Uh, no doubt. Yeah. So <laughs> she, that, uh, that fits, yeah. Uh, she. So we had a good time. My brother came in with his family, and it was the whole Hogan clan. Uh, a lot of her friends came down, so it was fun. We had a good time. That's pretty but, good. But uh, did was get to watch nice them. weather in Galveston. Oh my gosh, it was like beach weather, it was like ninety there degrees. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. And uh, I'm talking I. About. My, my brothers went and played golf yesterday down in Galveston. This was the one course, the Moody Moody Golf Course, whatever, down there. Because, you know, all the Moody here, uh, Moody Center, Moody. Oh, is that the same Moody's? Yeah, that all started in Galveston. Oh, they're the same Moody's. It's the same Moody family. Oh, man. But then they had to put down roots in Austin. to. I didn't you know, know that. Yeah. Yeah, same Moody's. Uh, but so they played, and I, I elected not to play because I wanted to visit with family and whatnot. Uh, spent four hours on the golf course, and it was so humid. I think each of them came off the course with with a, maybe over under 400 mosquito bites. <laughs> Skeeters were out. Oh yeah, man, you gotta watch that. No thanks. Gotta yeah. I was like, good thank God. Great spray. Yeah, I'm glad I did not. Mm-mm. But they did. It was fun to see everybody. But yeah, watched a lot of football, which was part of that too. Saturday was. Uh, was pretty rock'em sock'em. Obviously, it was tenuous for the Longhorns, but they did hold on. Now all questions and all eyes will be on the injury to Quinn Ewers. Let's get you the latest on that and the latest on the, uh, the morning headlines. Let's get you caught up. Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment bring you the top stories, and we'll start with baseball. We'll get to those Longhorns in a moment, but baseball, the first-ever All-Texas American League Championship Series, will go to a decisive Game 7. After the Texas Rangers pounded their way to a 9-2 win in Game 6 last night at Minute Maid Park, they're now 3-0 in Houston in this series. Houston 1-5 in the postseason on their home field. Nathan Avaldi remained perfect this postseason. Mitch Garver and Jonah Heim put the Rangers up early with opposite field home runs. Himes with a two-run shot. Uh, then the man in the middle of the Game 5 fireworks, Jolis Garcia put an exclamation point on the win. Base is loaded in the ninth inning. One gone in the ninth. Stanek's one one. It is thrilled on a line. Left field and gone. Adolis Garcia makes his statement. And the Rangers have their sights set on game seven. 
They absolutely do. Joe Davis on Fox last night. That game seven is tonight, uh, just after 7 o'clock. Christian Javier for the Astros. He's been really good. Max Scherzer gets the ball for the Rangers. He was not great in his start earlier in this series. We'll see what it looks like tonight. Texas football multiple reports now. The Texas starting quarterback, Quinn Ewers, uh, did suffer a sprained right shoulder in Saturday's win over the Houston Cougars. According to ESPN's Pete Thamel yesterday, his sources reporting that Ewers suffered a grade two sprain in the right throwing shoulder after that hard hit early in the fourth quarter. His backup, Malik Murphy, had to finish the game and did. Uh, early according to the reports, injury shouldn't be season-ending, but he is expected to miss some time. No timetable for his return yet known. Steve Sarkeesian will have his weekly 11 a.m. press briefing this morning. We will certainly keep our eyes on that. As for the team, Texas did move up one spot to number seven in the latest AP Top 25. Uh, Longhorns pulled out the win thanks to that big three big fourth-quarter defensive stops and a late C.J. Baxter 16-yard touchdown run. Longhorns sit right behind Oklahoma in the rankings now in that AP poll. Oklahoma also survived and advanced in a game on Saturday's heavy favorites. They held off Central Florida and Norman 31-29. Georgia is the number one team in the country for the 19th consecutive week. Michigan is number two. Ohio State at three. Florida State and Washington round out the top five this week. In the NFL, Cowboys and Texans both off, but there were a couple of several marquee matchups, including how about in Baltimore, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens blasted the Detroit Lions 38-6. Jackson threw for 357 and three scores, ran for another. Uh, Chiefs roll past the Chargers. 31-17. Patrick Mahomes, 424 yards and four touchdowns at a big game with Travis Kelsey there. Uh, on Sunday Night Football last night, how about the Philadelphia Eagles? They soar to a 31-17 win over the Miami Dolphins. Game turned on a big interception. Tua, uh, Tua uh, threw, tried to find his running back, Raheem Mostert. Ball was picked off by Darius Slay at the one-yard line. Uh, that flipped the ball game. They go on and get a touchdown, 31-17 win. And at Circuit of the Americas, it was Max Verstappen, again, taking the checkered flag, flag at the U.S. Grand Prix. Had to work for it. Started in the sixth spot, came all the way through traffic, and got the victory, his 50th, on the F1 circuit. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Halloween here is scarier than an OU cheerleader without makeup. But nothing scarier than missing out on employee pricing on all our zero-turn mowers this month. Top Gun. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. We got to talk about the fake field goal. We got to talk about it. the fake field goal. I'm glad Sark admitted that it was a bad call. Well, and I will say it's so much fun because I, I get to, I host the Inside Texas on Texas Football YouTube channels watch along, kind of like the Manning Cast. We do it every week. Mm-hmm. It's been well received. We got a lot of viewers, and it's fun. And you were you were on with me in that second quarter when yeah. it happened. When it happened, and initially I was like, you know what, I don't mind because they were up twenty one. They were up twenty one, right? Uh, no, 20, 14, tw- 21, 14. 20, up 21, 21, 21 seven. seven was the score. Twenty one seven. And initially I said, you know what, I get it. Sark's trying to, you know, be creative, and he said he wanted to take some more chances on special teams. He even mentioned that. Um, but then after th- after watching the defense, I started to remember that the defense is really bad in two-minute drill. Yeah. And I believe you left the EFU base around two and a half minutes. Now, not saying that you could have wasted more time off the clock or milked the clock. No, no. But it would have been a different emotional lift. If you would have, or I think maybe they wouldn't have had the emotional lift of stopping you on fourth down, getting the turnover on downs, and then that momentum kind of carrying over to their offense against your defense. So for Sark to talk about complimentary football, which he often champions, right, complimentary football, I don't think in that situation he was thinking about the other phases of the game. I don't think he was thinking about the defense and leaving them in a situation where they have to defend the two-minute drill 
and, and they're not really good at it. And maybe after a kickoff, there would have been less momentum built. Yeah, if, if Texas scores again, right? I mean, it's you three, score, point, three points is not a touchdown, but, but it's still, three points. Three points, yeah. Uh, you you answer their touchdown, right? Because, yeah. I mean, as we said, middle of the second quarter when we were doing the, the watch, we talked about it. Texas had three touchdowns. Houston had two first downs at that point of the game. It was 21 to nothing. Texas was in total control. Yes, Houston did take the ball and go down the field. They finally began to attack the perimeter and attack the uh, Texas secondary, and they get the touchdown to, Mark, to Matthew Golden. Uh, but yeah, if you go back down, kick a field goal, take it, you know, go go kick back off. up by 17. Kick off. There's no the, the stadium, which wasn't a raucous crowd to begin with. It was mostly Longhorn fans, uh, but the U Houston fans that were there got into the game in a big way with the with the stop on the fourth down and their sideline got sideline went crazy. Their sideline went crazy. And, 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 and look, if you're the the, the play they called, the little option flip to the kicker, that's not to me. That's not designed to get seven yards. That's designed to get a yard or two. If it's if it's yeah. fourth and short. I could almost see that. The three, if it's three yards, yeah, you're, three yards you're, and less. You're asking your kicker to, to run, to like run, that. and weave his way to get seven yards. Yeah, uh, I think that's, and he got, he, he made one guy miss and ended up with five, four or five yards. That's all you can ask from your kicker. Yeah, he did his <laughs> job. Uh, that's not the right call either. I just, you know, take your points, keep the crowd out of it. Who knows what would have happened on the kickoff? Houston very well may have gone down. They have a good return, good return unit. They do, but but, but as the game played out. What, what could have been a 24-7 to 7 lead with, with a quiet crowd. All of a sudden, crowd's into it. They go right down the field, score before the half. Then they get the ball coming out of half, yep. go down and score. And, you know, that, that play you ran on a fake field goal was the last play you ran mm-hmm. up 14. Now it's tied. That's now tied. it's tied. Exactly. And they're now back got, in the game. Now you got other issues. <laughs> and, you, and, and you've yeah. got Houston yeah. with the momentum and feeling like they got a shot in this game when it didn't feel like they had a shot at all. Yeah. Midway through the second quarter, so that was not complimentary football. It wasn't. I, I think because if you think about complimentary football, you take the points and the field goal there, and then you kick off because you understand your defense needs all the help it can get, all the hidden yardage, right, uh, to help them because they haven't been great defending two minute drill. And as a coach, that's a lot to think about, but that is your job to be thinking about all those things. And I think sometimes he gets caught up being the offensive play caller and doesn't think about. The defense. Clearly, he was and trying a, to get that first down and go yeah. really stab. And them. you had a lot of injuries on defense too. Yeah, uh, piling up, and so you should probably should have recognized that. So in retrospect, that was a bad decision. By the way, he admitted it. That's what I love about Sark too. He's yeah. like, up oh, back, bad decision, bad call. Yeah, I get it. And you're and you're right. That was even the play picked was a if you're gonna go for the fake, that was a bad play. Yeah, as well as a bad call. Yeah. Look, it was uh, it was a weird day of college football, and I know Longhorn fans are frustrated even with a seven point win. But this game at times had shades of the Oklahoma State and the Texas Tech games of a year ago right that the Longhorns that. weren't able to finish and weren't able to win. The fact that the defense did get the stops and the forced two turnovers in the fourth quarter got the big fourth down stop on the final drive of Houston's, and they were able to go down with a backup quarterback and score the go ahead touchdown. All things to take as positives in a okay. game that there are plenty of plenty of criticisms. You won the game. You won the game. It's a survive and advance point for Texas. Oklahoma survived and advanced as a heavy favorite at home. Central Florida was a two-point conversion from sending that game to overtime. As we said, Mac Brown's undefeated North Carolina team lost to a 1-5 and five Virginia team this weekend. If you're not prepared, you're not focused, you're not ready for that week, it you can happen. Get, it can happen to you. Yeah. But, <laughs> it can uh, happen you know, to you. Look, uh, it's uh, happened to me. Go back to all of the, uh, the offseason conversations. Can they become a fourth-quarter team? 
can they become a team in the fourth quarter? And this year they're much better at it than they were a year ago. But to your point, Rod, they still are not a four-quarter four quarter team. Yeah, exactly. And maybe yeah. that's the next step of the evolution of this program, becoming a four-quarter football team. But when you watch college football across the border, there it's aren't many of those. Yeah. There aren't many of those teams that could go high level not this year. for four not, quarters. Not this season. Georgia last year and the year before. Yeah, there have been some. Bama a few years before, but Georgia's not this year. Georgia's been number one in the country for 19 consecutive weeks. I mean, they, they've been as consistent as any program of recent memory. Alabama, Clemson were in that conversation. But, I mean, they're really, really consistent. But a lot of teams struggle within games. But, yeah, this was not a good team. But let's, let's also c- confirm this is – you knew you were going to get the best Houston team, the best version of Houston. You knew Dan Dan hot seat, so he was going to be giving you everything he got. And they did have a bye week before the Thursday game with West Virginia that they won on a Hail Mary, and then they had 10 days to prepare for Texas. So you were going to get the best version of them. Dana, Dana Holgerson admitted they completely changed up their defense from game to game because yeah. they knew they had no chance against Texas if they didn't. Good move. And Texas – uh, you know, took them a while. But I would say this before the they injury. Started got- fast. That's the thing about that, because I know Sark said they threw us something at him that they hadn't seen. And he's and he's acknowledged that that's happened. So not four times this season. Yeah. It's happened. We assume Rice in Wyoming. But then the player said it after the Oklahoma game. And now Sark is saying it again um, after this game. So that's four games. But the other three, the thing's interesting, they started slow in the Rice, Wyoming, and Oklahoma game. And then, of course, finished stronger um, in this game, they started fast. Well, it's almost like they they, then they, 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 right? two they things stalled. For, this it's, is where I'd be, I'd be frustrated if, so I'm a, if I'm a Houston Cougar fan. A, the officials kind of hosed you at the end, got yes. a, gave you a real bad yeah, spot. Yeah. But bigger picture, it's almost yeah. like Dana Holgerson and Houston came out in the defense they knew would get torched. And it got torched because they were trying to play man coverage on Xavier they Worthy were. and on yeah. A.D. Mitchell, and they yeah. gave up two touchdowns. Yeah. Then they said, okay, oh, yeah, we worked on this new – New defense. Let's go to that. Let's go to yeah. And, and it also took them a quarter and a half to figure out to attack the, the Longhorn secondary, the banged up Longhorn secondary. Yeah, offensively. Because yeah. they were trust me, when Texas was in their opening script, they were playing the three high. They were they were still playing the three high, but like I said, every, the, the coverage has changed, and what they were doing from the three high is what he's talking about after Texas. But basically torched them. Yeah, essentially they got they, A.D. Mitchell got locked up one-on-one, and then Xavier Worthy got locked up one-on-one, and they never allowed that to happen again. They decided, yeah, it was like, and that's where you happened. kept seeing Quinn Ewers dump down to the running backs or yes. dump down underneath. There you go. Uh, not forcing into double coverage top two receivers. But uh, and that's why they were, they were both running backs had huge games receiving, right? I mean, uh, yeah, John, no, he, Jonathan Brooks had, had yeah. eight catches. Yep. Uh, you know, C.J. Baxter had three catches, so 11 catches for your running backs. Uh, that was his little dump-offs yeah, out in space, some screen passes in there too. But, um, yeah, almost like Houston went took them too long to figure it out. But at the same time, uh, he, Texas did get the fourth quarter covered and won that football game. Before we uh, uh, talk some more weekend conversations, get you some more Texas football talk, take your thoughts on it, get you Rod's rant. Let's get you, uh, uh, Rod, telling you about the, the great iron workers out there in Austin, Texas. Uh, no doubt about it. Austin is a beautiful city, and uh, one of the reasons it's so beautiful is thanks to the skilled craftsmanship of our good friends at Iron Workers Local Union 482. They've been helping shape great Austin since 1935, and as the city continues to grow and thrive so design workers local union 482 they don't go to the office they're the ones who build the office so if you're looking for an exciting new career maybe you want uh, something fresh something new something more challenging maybe you want to feel valued by your employer you can become a valued member of iron workers local union 482 and accept the challenge of becoming the best version of yourself while helping shape austin's economic development right now they're hiring over 3,000 people for a huge project right here in central texas and you can become a member of iron workers local 482 uh, you can take 
take pride in the type of teamwork and craftsmanship that help shape the future of our great city. So maximize your potential today and be your best self. If you want to apply and you want more information about these uh, great opportunities, you're talking about uh, competitive uh, salaries, also uh, benefits as well, go online and check out ironworkers482.org. That's ironworkers482.org. All right, we'll get your Rod's rant of the day coming up at the bottom of the hour. Uh, we will also continue these. Mm-hmm. What are we going to be ranting on today? Uh, well, we got to go to Texas football. It's just so much Texas football stuff to, to, to talk about. So I'll dive into um, the, the three high three down. People well, because here, here's the text that says, when is Sark going to solve the three deep? Yes, the three <laughs> high three down. I know people want to know. I know I'm getting it on Twitter. What's up with the three? I'll talk about the three high three down. I'll give you uh, my thoughts. I, I, I actually think Sark is on to solving it or having a remedy. Uh, four to three, high three down, an antidote, if you will. And I think he he threw it out there in the U of H game, and then he took it back for some reason. I'm, I'm not really sure why. So we'll discuss that. We'll get into that a little bit. Good point here that on the text line. Appreciate all the messages are coming in fast and furious at 447-3776. Good teams win, great teams cover, improved teams don't choke. Uh, well, then I would say Texas is an improved team, and they're they're a good team. They're did they look like a great team on Saturday? Not by any stretch. Now, they had some great stretches, great moments. Uh, and, the, boy, the, the encouraging parts were, how about Keelan Robinson's kick returns? How big were those? That was great. Um, Keelan Robinson as a senior providing great field position over and over again. He was outstanding. And a couple times he was in jail and got out of that uh, to set up big field position. I would also say C.J. Baxter. C.J. Baxter, man. That's, that may be the biggest one, considering now the injury to Quinn Ewers. You're going to have a young quarterback, young, inexperienced quarterback in there. The best friend of an inexperienced young quarterback is a great running game. You know you got one with Jonathan Brooks, but now you have the, uh, you know, the, the, the ascent, if you, if you will, of C.J. Baxter. Uh, he looked different. In that on that touchdown run, I think you can see more 21 personnel, two backs, one tight end. They liked that last year with Rojo and Bijan. You got two good running backs like Jonathan Brooks and C.J. Baxter. Uh, that will also help you kind of shoulder the burden for a young quarterback. All right, so Rod will have more uh, in the rant coming up. We'll go deep dive on Texas and a lot of questions on why, why so many wide-open receivers for Texas and then why can't Texas solve the three high. Uh, we'll also start looking at the BYU game. But really all eyes will be at 11 o'clock this morning on Sark and his press conference to get the very latest on Quinn Ewers. And let's be fair about that. Your starting quarterback, I don't care what his you know, grade determination is, young, you know, young quarterback, whatever, you can't take on a linebacker. Your quarterback has yeah. to protect his body. Uh, that, you, know, you hope the best for Quinn. But you can't put yourself in that spot. Uh, Even if that's not where the injury occurred, I'm with you. Like, that's not, that's not smart. That's not smart football. Yeah, you're smart. Uh, protect than yourself. They, they yeah. built in every protection for your position. And that's the thing, Rod. Quarterbacks don't ever get hit in practice. I mean, they don't take hits Mm-mm. that often. Nope. They, they're so protected. So don't run into one. Why are yeah, <laughs> you doing the defense a favor? Yeah, you're, you're, helping you're, the, you're trying to take on it, their middle linebacker. That, he laid his – he hurt the defender. The defender was hurt too. Yeah, he was. The defender stayed on the field and he got hurt too. And, and Quinn kind of got him. And I was like, man, I, And Quinn, I know he was trying to get to the first down marker. I, mean, I appreciate two. the toughness. I appreciate the testicular well, fortitude. Well, come on, Jim Kelly. Let's not let's – not, uh, Come on now. Uh, Josh <laughs> Allen. Like, what are we doing here? Uh, yeah. But you protect yourself. But now – and look, and now you're, you're, you've hurt your ball club because they're going to have to go with their backup quarterback for however long. We'll find that out at 11 o'clock today. I don't, I don't know if that's where the injury occurred. Yeah, there's some people there's saying, saying was, there was a sack, sack two plays ago. Yeah. 
Yes. Two plays earlier, yes. there was a sack of Quinn Ewers when and, Jatavion and, Sanders kind of got beat. that's the case, beat. even more so, don't take that hit. <laughs> if you're something At least he led with his left shoulder and not his right. But yeah. still, if he was already hurting with his right shoulder. I it doesn't matter. It, you, slide. You don't, slide, yeah, young you man. Yeah, you learn how to slide. That's your, for, for the NFL, for your future prospects of your career, you learn how to slide anyway. Uh, so. It says, at least Texas is bowl eligible. That's true. And as no. I've said, you'll take five more wins just like that one. If you've got to be white-knuckling it through the fourth quarter, you'll no. take it. Uh, Longhorn's found a way the, to win it. What Longhorn fans want to see, because I know we're up against the right, what they want to see, and it's, just, it's you're not probably going to see it this year, you want to see your team win but also get week to week, and that's not happening. Right? You can argue, coming out of your bye week. Yes. Like, that's not how You're winning. But you could argue, you know, the Rice game, Logan fans, remember they were disappointed in the Rice game because the offensive line couldn't block Rice and they had some issues, and they were disappointed in that. Then you get the Bama game, and then that's your zenith, right? That's the apex of your well, they season They came out so far. like the pissed-off team Sark talked yes. about, and they looked like they were going to blow this team out. And they got better from week to week. From week one to week two, they got a whole lot better. Then the Wyoming game. Exactly. You, didn't, you won, but you didn't get better from week to week. Baylor game, you did. You got better, better that week. Um, and then you got the Kansas game. I think you got better that week. You can't face backup quarterbacks. Easy to get better against those. And then Oklahoma game, I think Longhorn fans would say, eh, I don't know if you got better that week. And you lost. And then, obviously, U of H, after the bye week, did they get better? Eh, but they won. But so, they won. Yeah, so win. Just win, baby. But Longhorn fans want to see their team get better week to week. That's not necessarily happening consistently. If that did happen from the Bama game, you'd be the best team in the country right now. Yeah. <laughs> right? You'd well, be number they, one in the country. But that's not happening to anybody around the country, though. Every team like is that, – that, that's football, baby. Bama keeps winning since Texas beat them, and that helps that's Texas, true. by the way. That's true. Bama was down 13 points at Tennessee, came back and won yeah. that game. Well, we'll let you hear Josh Heupel coming up. Uh, not real happy with the officiating in that football game. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to see that one. But uh, there was a lot of official issues oh, over the weekend. Yes, there were. Uh, Rod will have a rant, though, coming up. We've also got the NFL with the Cowboys and Texans off, but still plenty of star performances. Uh, the F1 race, the Astros and Rangers, Game 7 tonight. What more could you ask for uh, in this classic of a series? It's going to the final game. Decisive Game 7 will preview fully coming. But coming next, next is Rod's rant on Hook'em Up. Longest. They're going to need another first down. They want to try to tie this game with a field goal. Jenkins remains the setback. Corner blitz coming. coming. Smith, look out. The safety's there, and he's got the interception. Michael's half comes away with it. Brown was the intended. Longest. They're going to need another first down. There was Michael Tapp with a big interception. Big interception there. One of two big fourth quarter turnovers for us. Actually three if you count the uh, the fourth down stop, which was our Viking fence defensive play of the game. Michael Taff with the uh, interception in the end zone. Uh, finally making a play from that safety position. Also had the Jalen Ford sack fumble forced in that fourth quarter. And the Longhorns get a 31-24 victory at Houston. We're talking about it with you. Also, Ty coming back with the creed there. Rangers oh, man. Rangers got up off the deck after that uh, Jose Altuve jolt in game five, the three-run homer to beat him in the ninth. And um, they respond with a huge game of their own, 9-2. Uh, Adolis Garcia had struck out four times, including a high-drama strikeout against Brian Abreu. 
Mm. Ryan Abreu, of course, the right-hander who hit Adolis Garcia in the eighth inning of that uh, controversial game five. That led to some, the benches clearing and the mayhem and the injections of Brian Abreu. Now the suspension of Brian Abreu. Dusty Baker, of course, livid at the conversation. And you know, we'll get into that coming up in Bullish or BS. I do not think Brian Abreu intentionally hit uh, Adolis Garcia. I know a lot of Ranger fans believe he did. Uh, I think that's BS, but either way. Um, <laughs> but we'll find out because we, we will hear today. If, bullish or BS right there. Well, and if, if Adolis Garcia, or excuse me, if Brian Abreu will be suspended. Uh, because he was suspended two games, but he appealed it, and you can play while you're pending the appeal. So he played last night, and he came in and uh, gave up a run, actually, before he struck out Adolis Garcia. But uh, either way, that is, will be a big decision for Major League Baseball today. Uh, I think a lot of people think he will be – maybe just don't even hear the appeal hearing until tomorrow. Uh, and he may be suspended to start the World Series if the Astros get there. If not, he'll be suspended to start next season if the Rangers are able to win tonight in Game 7. So we'll take your thoughts on that. Uh, but the Creed Anthem. For the Rangers, and what more could you ask for? Game seven, Astros Rangers, mm-hmm. Minute Maid Park. I like that. Road team has won every game. It's crazy. If that continues, the Rangers will be off to the World Series. If the Astros can finally win a home game, Say it ain't they so. will be back to the World Series for the third consecutive Say year. It ain't so, please. I'll be. Uh, I may have a heart attack tonight, Rod. It might, might, might just happen. I think all <laughs> oh, no, Ranger fans are in the same boat. I told you, it's, it's stress, man. This is high level stress for Rangers and Astros fans. Got to be. I mean, we I'm are not nice. stressed. I'm talking about. Oh, Ty's good. not stressed. Uh-oh. Yeah. I don't know if that's good we're, or bad We're for back us. home in Houston. Yeah, exactly. Feels <laughs> like it. Ty, Ty feeling it. But uh, uh, what a series, though. I mean, obviously there were some blowouts early, and last night got a little out of, out of hand, but it was a tough and tight ball game into the, the late stages until that grand slam. And um, it's just been a great series. And hero mm-hmm. performances uh, with Altuve and Garcia, and now uh, last night with Heim and Mitch Garver. How about that? Uh, Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager did to struggle at the top, but it was Mitch Garver and Jonah Heim carrying the Rangers last night uh, until the Garcia blast, which is, you know, that's another part of this, these, these matchups. Both the lineups are very deep. Yep. Uh, guys can make play, you know, get hit up and down that order, and it comes down to a couple of pitches here and there. And uh, we're going to game seven with Christian Javier against Max Scherzer tonight. Uh, oh, also, Rod, before we get to your rant, can I mention uh, from the NFL, when are they going to fire Brandon Staley in San Diego with the Chargers? It's happening. I mean, you. if you're a defensive coach, that's your job, and you can't, you you play the the Chiefs twice a year. Twice a year, and you give up over a hundred yard passing yards to Travis Kelsey in the first half. Like, didn't you, don't you spend the entire off season coming up with schemes to stop that guy? That's one guy. You got to stop that one guy. Let everybody else eat. It's not like Lamar Jackson against Detroit, where they never see that team. I will, He's the toughest to stop in the league, though. I will say that. Didn't he have twenty nine straight uh, completions? Yeah, uh, like twenty nine straight You're a targets coach. that were completed. Yeah, no, it's – Come on, man. He, and he also has the most expensive defense in the NFL yeah. of the last two years. They've paid more for their defense than anybody else. And, yeah. I know the, I know the Chiefs ah. own, own that division, but uh, – <laughs> Sorry, my dog. is we're, yeah. we're in the home office today. Yeah. We're doing some construction up at our studios at the Horn. <laughs> so has been a guard dog. Uh, we got a little dog, guard dog here. Guard dog. We're in the home office. Guard dog. Uh, but let's get Rod's rant of the day. We'll talk more football. How about the Longhorns having big days? How about Deontay Foreman, a three-touchdown day for the That's Bears? amazing. Charles Amenahu was back with the Chiefs, had a sack in, that, in a game. Uh, P.J. Locke had a big interception yesterday. So we'll get to all that coming up. We'll get to bullish or BS, but it's time for Rod's rant. Rod's Rant of the Day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car, any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not, as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite 
and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Bro, oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back. Um, now, we've talked about this a lot, actually. Uh, you guys have heard me uh, talk about the three high, three down defense for a long time and how it fits it matches up really well with Sark's offense. And one of the things that U of H did, give them a lot of credit, uh, they have not been a team that majors or minors in the three-high defense, um, and they decided they were breaking out a lot of it versus Texas. Now, Texas actually had some success versus the three-high, but notoriously Sark's offenses, and I've been tracking them, even prior to this season, and this season, Wyoming was a team that ran a lot of three high, three down. Oklahoma could do it, but Oklahoma didn't. They didn't throw it out there a lot uh, versus Texas. Um, so that's not something that they did, but it is in the repertoire of one Brent Venables. But the teams on the schedule that specialize in it, that major in it, your K-States, your TCUs, your Iowa States, those are still – you know, and yet <laughs> on the schedule. So that's it is, is a concern that they match up so well. At least that specific scheme matches up so well with Sark's offense. Uh, and U of H, they used it early and often. And Sark was actually in Texas was move. They moved the ball and they were actually scoring against the, that three high look until they adjusted, um, as E mentioned, and they started bracketing the wide receivers on the outside in that three high and then started doing some other things in Texas, couldn't run the ball consistently, and then the offense hit a wall until they were able to close the game out late with the run game. So I've, I went back and, and crunched the numbers, and I'll, I'll update them, but this is prior to the season starting. Um, if you go look at third down conversion percentage, Passing yards, um, you go look at yards per attempt, um, all of those in points, of course, points as well. You go look at all of those categories. The Texas offense under Steve Sarkeesian scores fewer points, uh, lower yards per attempt, uh, lower passing yards per game or fewer passing yards per game, and also uh, conversion percentage on third down drops too when Sark plays a defense that majors or minors in the three high three down defense. Um, and you're at almost nine fewer points per game actually. Now, this is prior to this season. You're at out close to nine fewer points per game on average when you play a team that majors or minors in the three high defense. That is a big difference. And U of H just smart. It was smarter than to bring it out. I did my football theory uh, on Texas show with my man Ian Boyd, and I brought it up before the game, and I brought it up with you guys and said, well, you, you know, you got to throw something at Texas they haven't seen, and if they hadn't seen the three high, a three down defense from you, you might want to break it out because it works really well against Sark and U of H. They broke it out. So good, give it up for Doug Belk. It's a smart game plan by him. But here's the thing, the intriguing thing. First of all, Sark said – you know, uh, they, they showed him something uh, on, you know, on Saturday they hadn't seen on film and hadn't prepared for. Usually when that's the case, because it was the case for Oklahoma game, it was the case for the Rice and the Wyoming game, Texas starts slow. But they didn't start slow in this game. All right? They actually started fast. And then, the, the, then their offense hit a wall, and he said it's because they started to bracket the wide receivers. And that's a good point. But you still should have been able to run the football then effectively. That's the key. If they're bracketing wide receivers, then that means they're not winning the numbers advantage in the box. And this is the key to the three high, three down, right? This is why it's Sark's kryptonite. It turns, uh, you know, Sark into kind of Steven. <laughs> Sark turns into Coach Steven because essentially the three high, it is uh, the truth that tells a lie. 
right? It, especially if you're running RPO offenses and you're counting the numbers in the box, because of three high, three down defense, it's so malleable, it can distort your pre-snap read if you're the quarterback. Meaning you'll hand the ball off when you think you have the numbers advantage in the box, but you actually don't. You'll throw the ball when you believe, oh, man, they had the numbers advantage in the box, but actually they don't. They had it in the passing game. So it distorts the pre-snap read. And I think that's why you had a Quinn Ewers decide, I'm just going to check it down. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure exactly what's going on, so I'll check it down. Because it, it, it forces him, um, it, it really changes his – his, his pre-snap read, whether it's a RPO or whether it's actually a drop-back pass, um, and forces him to go through progressions and read the defense and less, less predetermined throws. That's why I think the, the script was working so well because a lot of the script for Sark are predetermined throws already. Once he's off script, then he's got to read the defense. Yeah. He's got to go through his progression, and I think he was uncomfortable doing that against the three-high. The three, they were running the three-high even on the first series, but – Sark was, I think, had a lot of predetermined throws within the script, and he was also something else thrown out there. He was running a lot of the six-zero line package. Yep, he was running a lot of it. And my research shows me, based off last year, Texas was averaging over six and a half yards per rush against against teams last season in the th- in the three-high three-down when they ran their 6-0 line package, Big 11, Big 12. I think Sark knows this. I think that's why he br- part of the reason he brought in Paul Chris. I think he wants to double down on it. And in that game, E, it was th- the first two touchdowns were out of the 6-0 line package. <laughs> you were averaging over 17 yards per attempt uh, in the game in the first half of the 6-0 line package, and they were averaging over 5 yards per rush, over 9 yards per play. Um, and I think and then the second half, you only saw it twice. Now, I, don't, I think Sark, I don't know, in the second half, I don't know why he only threw it out there twice. I have no idea. Maybe the, it wasn't working because you can't throw. If you can't throw out of it, then maybe it loses its, you know, multidimensional uh, threat, uh, multidimensional aspect where, hey, man, if they decide to, to, to match your numbers in the run game, you have favorable numbers on the outside or favorable matchups on the outside. I'm not sure exactly why. I got to go watch more film on it. Um, but he stopped running it. In the second half, only two plays. He had um, in the first half, I believe they had 15 plays of it. So, but as I said, even the research I did last season, it showed you that Sark's offenses actually could run the ball really effectively in the Big 11, Big 12 package versus three high, three down defenses. He knew that and did it early on, whether on script or not, in the U of H game. And then stopped in the second half. That's the mystery I'm trying to figure out, really. Well, and, and it could just be as simple as Quinn got hurt. Well, and, and I don't. That's, maybe well, that's that why. wasn't until the fourth quarter. But uh, I would say this: when, when Houston came alive and down 21 nothing, and they got that touchdown on the board and kind of you know lit, lit a fuse on their, brought some emotion to their sidelines. Um, you know, the next drive for Texas started with six minutes to go, and Keelan Robinson brought it all the way out to the 45 yard line. Texas gained seven yards on first down, then eight, and then ten. And then they bogged down. And this is where, you know, if you're going to play the, you know, the, the bracketed coverage and the three high and give away the run, you have to be able to run the ball. And if you go to that, that drive, Texas reached the 30-yard line, shot, handoff to Jonathan Brooks, a one-yard gain. Uh, then Jonathan Brooks again, one-yard gain. So you're put, you're, your interior D-line was getting pushed back mm-hmm. in those two runs, and that led to the third down stop, and then that led to the fake field goal. Uh, where it looked like Texas was going to go in and score and go up 28-7 because they were moving the ball after the long kick return, and then it bogged down. Uh, and then even in the third quarter when the offense was stalling as Houston was making their comeback, it was 
the inability to run the football in the interior. The offensive line in the middle was getting pushed by Houston from these eyes. And then that's what changed in the fourth quarter. All of a sudden, same defense they were seeing, even with a backup quarterback, they were able to plow the run game. They were able to push and, and create creases mm-hmm. in the run game for C.J. Baxter and for Jonathan Brooks better in the fourth quarter than they did in the second or third quarter. And, and I agree with you, right? If, you're gonna, if they're going to take away your two top receivers – you shouldn't have Jordan Whittington, a package for him, ready to go. You JT need to have – But you also have to be able to run the ball. You have, yeah. to, have to be able to win at the line of scrimmage because you have a favorable numbers situation. And uh, they, they can't defend all that. They, I know. There's no they way can't. they should be able they to can't. bracket both of your top receivers they can't. and defend the running game. So, and I said – because they, they closed the game running the football effectively, like you said, he, but they did it out of 11 personnel, one back, one tight ends with JT Sanders. And they did it really effectively. Like, and So I got no problem with that. Um, but I do wonder – if Sark maybe took stopped the six zero line package just because he was you know I don't know insecure about their ability to throw the football I'm not really sure why but that really is the antidote for him against the three high three down uh, especially when your interior offensive line may not be as strong you can dominate the edge when you got Malik Ogbo out there so that's that's one of the mysteries of the game that I can't figure out that's that was your most productive offensive personnel grouping in the first half you were averaging over nine yards per play out of it in the first half and it was it seemed like it was a big part it wasn't the 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 first drive but it was early on in the script because your first two touchdowns you have these six o-line package out there as a matter of fact when they're driving for the red cat touchdown they right before that cj baxter run right before that touchdown by savion red it was also the six o-line package so he knew going in that it was going to be a big part of the game plan, and then for some reason he just decided in the second half he wasn't going to do it. All right, uh, maybe he'll be asked that today. If you're going to the press conference at 11 o'clock, I want to ask Sark, why would you go away from the 6-0 line package? Jonathan Brooks did end up with 99 yards rushing, 160 yards rushing on the day for the Longhorns, and they did run it in for the game-winning touchdown. C.J. Baxter, who looked as healthy as we've seen him. Coming up next hour behind the burn orange curtain, we'll talk about the defensive side, safety struggles against passing uh, the wide receivers. Also, several people have asked why the cornerbacks play so far off off coverage uh, in this defense for Pete Kwiatkowski. We'll certainly talk about that. Coming back, though, it's bullish or BS time on a Monday morning. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B. Glad you're with us. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook'em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. All right, keeping an eye on the uh, injury report. Quinn Ewers looks like he'll miss some time. Not sure how much. It's a grade two sprain of his right throwing shoulder, according to Pete Thamel and other reports yesterday. Steve Sarkeesian will meet the media today. Uh, I'm sure have more on that developing situation. But it's time for Bullish or BS, Rod Babers. Uh, and we've got some developing situations there, Ooh. including the Austin Gamblers. You know, sometimes you lose, sometimes you just get beat. Austin Gamblers were in the championship round of the PBR playoffs yesterday. They got three uh, facing their, their rivals from Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, they were, they were uh, uh, you know, you, each, each team gets five rides. Okay. And the, the Austin Gamblers converted three of their rides for, and rode the eight seconds. So that's very that – I mean, that's three out of five. That's very good. But the Texas Rattlers – Got four out of five rides. They clutched up in a big way, and they won 
the championship yesterday out in Las Vegas. So uh, props on a great season. They won the regular season. Jose, Jose Vitor Leme won the uh, MVP. Uh, but in the end, uh, better team. Uh, four converted out of their five rides. Yeah. That's stepping Damn up in a perfect. big way under pressure. Huge, huge. So uh, unfortunate, but at the end, a great season for the Austin uh, Gamblers there. Wow. Uh, also bullish or BS. Um, give me your thoughts. How bullish are you on Malik as a, as a quarterback for Texas right now? Uh, I'm, I'm bullish on it because we've been bragging about Texas having the deepest quarterback room in the country or one of the deepest quarterback rooms in the country. And now that will truly be put to the test. And by the way, if you've been following Texas football for the last 20 something years, and most of y'all listening have, this is the norm. Texas having to go to a backup quarterback or rely on one either for injury concerns or for productivity issues um, or performance issues. I mean, that's been the case. How many times since 1999 has a quarterback started every game and finished every game? Five times? Maybe, yeah. Uh, is that, is that, <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, Sam just, Ellinger, I think, was the last one to do it, right? Yeah, like five, he did it in, what, 2019 yeah. or something? It just it doesn't happen very often, guys. It doesn't. I mean, in my time, it was Sims did it in 02 with us. That's, I mean, it, just, it just doesn't happen. You probably got one every, every five years, one quarterback does it. But for the most part, because of injury or performance, there needs to be a second quarterback that helps helps you win games. And hell, thanks to Shane Buscelli, you actually doing those Sam Ellinger years got to a Big Twelve title game. You don't get there without him. All right, if he doesn't step up, and you know last season, you know you had to have backup quarterback step up there too. That's just going to be the case. It certainly is, and it'll be the case here. Uh, good. The, the bullish part of it is it's uh, you know back to back home games. You got to get backup quarterback in your building which is a good thing, right? You get BYU and then K-State, an improving team that's gone to a freshman quarterback uh, along with Will Howard. So those are your two games. But you get them at home in front of your crowd, and we'll get more from Sark today on just how severe the injury is. You'd hope for that two-game road trip you've got to make in November to Fort Worth and then to Ames, Iowa. Maybe you can get Quinn Ewers back on the field. We'll know more today. Also more from Sark on the other injuries for this team because they really piled up in that game against Houston. Also bullish or BS, Rod, do you think uh, – Brian Abreu was throwing intentionally at Adolis Garcia on Friday in game five uh, after the uh, big home run he hit off of Justin Verlander. And then he had his prance around the bases and all the, his, you know, you know, the emotion that he showed. Hey, uh, Do you think it was intentional or do you think it was not intentional? Uh, it was probably intentional. I mean, that's baseball. I mean, it's probably, it's probably intentional. See, I, that will call BS on that. I know I'm going to get a lot of heat from my Ranger fans, but most people in the baseball industry are on my side of this, that there's no way – that he was, he was, he was wild. He walked the leadoff hitter, Evan Carter, in that at bat. And if you saw it, he was wild to the right, right? He was arm side wild, uh, meaning for a right-handed pitcher, and the ball was tailing on him uh, in that at bat to Evan Carter. And then here comes Adolis Garcia. And I know the numbers tell you that on four-seam fastballs, Brian Abreu's only hit one batter out of 1,200 pitches he's made to a right-handed batter. I get it. But in that instant, the last thing he's doing is trying to put another runner on base in a two-run game in the eighth inning. That's just – that would be – I mean, Dusty Baker would suspend him for that if he did it on purpose, and that's why Dusty Baker was so livid. Uh, and it tailed on him. And, I look, I, I don't believe for a second he did that on purpose. That's why I don't think he should have been suspended. But baseball obviously suspended him. That appeal will happen. But it did lead to, you know, the situation with uh, the, the long delay and the benches clearing and all that went on there. And then Jose Altuve, of course, hits the home run off of LeClerc in the ninth. Drama. What a moment. Uh, and the drama was, was – there again and palpable yesterday or last night with uh, Jose Brian Abreu facing uh, El Bombi uh, in that big, big clash, and he struck him out. But then Gar- Garcia gets his come up and s- with the ninth inning grand slam, and the Rangers win it 9-2. to two. Hey, I'm a numbers guy, so numbers say 
probably was intentional. Then I just send the numbers or, or to was trying like to... said, it, But you, you make a good point, though, that it is – that would be stupid. Yes. That'd be just uh, – that'd be just – And I don't think the Astros are that dumb. Bad I, decision. I, I, because, yeah. look, you're going to you, – there's long memories in baseball, and if you feel like you need to, you know – Patrol the game as they do a lot of times. Yeah, you know, police the, yeah, police the game. Police the game man. You'll, you'll see the Rangers a bunch next year, right? This is not the time for policing, you know, base running histrionics. This is the time to get outs. Um, you know, we'll see. But same time, I, I do think he was trying to pitch inside. I mean, I absolutely think he's running because El Bombe just hit a big home yeah. run off of Verlander and a ball he left out over the plate. Um, you know, he was trying to pitch inside on, a, on a power that. hitter. Yeah. Um, and, but he had shown in the previous uh, bat he didn't have good control of that pitch uh, early on in his, his appearance. He was wild. And, and uh, maybe, that's the, that maybe that's the decision he's being punished for. It's like, hey, man, you know as a pitcher that you're wild. You shouldn't be pitching inside then like that. Yeah. You shouldn't be trying to pitch him inside to that That would extent. be my argument, that he was <laughs> trying to go inside, get in jam at Garcia, and then the ball got away. I, but I don't think intentionally he was intentionally throwing the ball at Adolis Garcia. I will never believe that because it was just such a dumb move if he was. Hey, it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. Yeah, she, well, but at <laughs> yeah. that point, if, yeah. he, if it's just you know pitching inside and you get hit on the arm, then walk down to first base, take your base, and see if you can add on to this lead if you're the Rangers. Instead, it led to what we all saw. All right, we'll come back. We'll take your thoughts on Game 7. We'll take your thoughts on Quinn Ewers. Malik Murphy looks like he's coming in out of the bullpen. Uh, all things we're talking about. There's some bullish or BS. Great season for the Austin Gamblers. Comes up just a bit short. Max Verstappen. Wins the big U.S. Grand Prix. we got football with the Cowboys and Texans off, but still some great games. We'll get to all of it. That's why we have five hours every morning. Austin's we need only it. Five-hour morning sports conversation is right here on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby.